0: your wife ever just gives you this sense that you're not enough you need to be thinking how does God see me and you know what he loves you just the way you are he chose you and to love you and to pour his affection upon you just as you are but so you are complete in Christ so when you have those senses of self-doubt just remember that okay I can't do it
1: Welcome to the RPC Podcast. We have with us today Praxology, Screwtape, and Omium Zebu. I'm going to set a little bit of the groundwork here for this podcast. It's called Open the Church. So we all know in 2020, a global pandemic hit that caused the world's economy, social structures, basically everything but the Walmart to close. And as a result of this, many of the churches have shut down. Pastors have decided to remain closed even after found out the pandemic is not nearly as dangerous as we thought. So Oz, this first question is for you. Do you think the church should have shut down in the first place? No. Do you think we should have just, as Christians, kept going to church, even though there was an unknown at the time, there was a pandemic going on? I think at the very beginning, there was even as high as a 5% death rate, they were telling us.
0: When you look at church historically, and you look at when did the church shut down due to a pandemic, you're not going to find many examples of that. People were willing to take whatever perceived risks were involved, because meeting together as a congregation was not really given to us as one of those optional, do it if you feel like it, situations. No, I don't think the church was at liberty to shut down its doors. In most cases, there were ways of being very reasonably safe, even if you were concerned. And admittedly, before we knew anything about this, there was reason to be concerned, I will grant that. When you look at all the precautions that you can take to keep yourself safe from something like that, It's not like it was some sort of magic virus that was transmitting by thoughts or something telekinesis. There's ways that people have shown to be able to reduce the spread of these things. So to say that people are too stupid to do that. So we need to shut the doors. I don't buy it. Did your guys' churches shut down? Mine did for a little while. It was during the very beginning of the pandemic. I was not thrilled with that. We actually lost several congregational members over that. They were one of the first churches in the area to reopen after some of the data had come in. Probably about four to six months total that it was shut down, which was in my opinion too long.
2: The church that my wife and I were going to close their doors for a couple months, I think they were just trying to be cautious at the beginning of it. Okay, I pretty well understand that. Pretty unprecedented at that point. I'm not going to hold that against them. They're making their best decision. They opened it up fairly quickly, having like a certain number of congregants back into the church and then they... Would tell the older congregants or older members sicker members to stay home and watch online
3: the church we were going to was way out west so they didn't close initially i think it took three or four months for COVID to actually hit the area so i i don't think it was until june or july that the church shut down since it was nice out started having services outside to kind of counteract the state mandates when we had moved to the east coast there was only one church in the five mile vicinity that was actually still meeting in person and of course, the church had a capacity of 5,000 people. It was this huge theater. Pretty easy for them to do it. For the most part, churches there were all shut down.
1: I'm going to play the devil's advocate here. I'm going to come up with a Bible verse, and it's Romans 13 1. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For I'm rolling no my eyes way.
0: so hard right Authority now that I probably just died
1: from god and those that exist have been instituted by god i'm from california i'm gonna use california as a, I'm an sorry. example every non essential business in california was mandated by the governor to shut down including churches so shouldn't the churches do what the governing authority says and shut down
0: what is the governing authority in america it's the constitution who was it that put the constitution together
1: founding fathers put the constitution together right
0: and the, and the states ratified it so i mean if you look at just starting from the federal level and work your way down there's limitations all the way through When you look at even state authorities, most state constitutions don't give unilateral power to be able to declare a state of emergency and be able to bar people from exercising their First Amendment rights of freedom of assembly and worships. Think that when you look at what's a Christian's duty in light of Romans 13 and like passages, yeah, you're supposed to obey the governing authorities. That governing authority in at least this country on what we all pretend to agree on is the constitution, when in reality, that doesn't seem to be the case any longer. I'm a big fan of following the governing authorities, just not ones that are arbitrary made up and assumed but screw
1: tape didn't the government your local government say not to go to church and you still want to go isn't that going to hurt your witness
3: (laughs) it should also be noted i think it's later in that verse it's not in that same chapter following that the local government insofar as it's not inhibiting you from your testament to the gospel of christ if the church was for example to say we can't help homeless people anymore or can't do street preaching anymore we would certainly go against that because we believe that those things would be better off us having done them and be in jail for it than not having done them at all it's better that we go against this because it's what we're called to do to me and
0: even as you, you look at this from a like reducto ad absurdum argument standpoint is there any point in which the church should defy the governing authorities and most people would say along those lines yeah if they're prohibiting us from street preaching they're contradicting the word of god and we should obey god and not men per acts is that the limitation is there anything else that we need to take into account there what if the church were to be Presented with the situation where the government says uh, marriage is such that when you get married, you have to undergo some sort of orgyistic ritual with your governing authorities as part of this greater good, and you have to pimp out your wife. Would the church say, "Well, man, the governing authority said we should do that," and well, maybe we okay, that's going to inhibit our witness. You start running down some of these ridiculous scenarios. There's quickly becomes a point upstream where you say, "Yeah, we can't do that," or you even just look at like most of the conditions now for going into governing office or most public schools or when you start interfacing with the government there's lots of essentially creedal statements that christians are being asked to commit to there's a reasonable point in which we can say yeah that doesn't represent what we're called to do any longer
1: what you guys are both saying is there's a limit to government authority not only the constitution but when it goes against what the bible is teaching us yes
0: and i think that limit is a lot closer in than most christians think
1: so then all these pastors that have their churches shut down they're going against the bible yes they are
0: i don't think it's even controversial don't neglect. To meet together. That's, that's one of the commands given to the church. Well, I think you're neglecting to meet together. And if you say, well, we're doing, you know, Facebook videos. Yeah, that's not meeting together. You're not doing communion together. You're not worshiping together. That's a poor substitute for togetherness that nobody would accept in any other context. Can you say, well, me and my wife haven't seen each other in a year, but we've been doing Zoom calls. Are you really together at that point? Are you I mean, able to play the
1: devil's advocate on this? Ha- in what way? Give me an argument against what you just said. If we are being actively persecuted in a country
0: where you're under some sort of Sharia law, and if you are preaching the gospel, then you're going to end up in jail or executed. In which case, I think that we're called to a little bit more cleverness than we're just going to go ahead
1: and keep meeting the way we had been. I'm having a hard time understanding why these pastors are doing this. I can't play the devil's advocate anymore because you can argue are weak that- and gay. I mean, like they're, they're weak and they're effeminate. I mean,
0: they're, they're maybe not gay in the sense that they're chasing after dudes but most of their other behavior suggests that they're really close to that in a way that is frankly disgusting what
1: do you think drives these pastors to do this are they just pussies are they doing what they think is best
2: i would say it's probably a two-pronged approach there's a lot of social pressure for pastors to conform to the overarching brand of compliance to government where a lot of pastors what their goal or what they're really driving at is to keep people donating to the church okay well predominantly who do you see in church well right now there's a huge amount of women in church and then they bring their sons i mean sons are not paying for the tithe it's primarily the mothers who is in charge of the pocketbook in modern america the wives where do women predominantly lean women are predominantly liberal leaning you follow the money You're going to see that the church is leaning towards that out of their own drive towards financial gain because the pastors are not competent enough to sustain themselves the second part is a lot of pastors because they also have not ever been because they've never done anything but literally they went to high school they went to college for church and then now they're a pastor they've literally never developed something outside of ministering what happens now when they are actively working against the government well their job is at serious jeopardy. There's a lot of legitimate reason for them to compromise their values because their family is probably riding on them maintaining their job. I'm going to
0: counter that just a little bit and thinking just from my experience with most pastors that I would associate with, I want to ascribe a little bit better motive than they're in it for the money. Well, I'm sure that's a concern and a pressure for them especially when you look at a lot of congregations that have shut their doors they got slammed with attendance and a lot of their congregations bolted for either congregations that were staying open or just stopped going to church altogether so i don't know if it's even necessarily the the better financial play i have a theory i call it king beta and i think that's basically what most pastors have become in their churches they were not the alpha types they were largely scholarly a lot of them they managed to ascend to the top of their hierarchy if you want to do some jordan peterson sort of talk there they're to the top of their dominance hierarchy they're the, the chief of the betas at the end of the day they still aren't an alpha and so they feel constantly threatened for the position of authority when given pushback their automatic response tends to be i'm going to carry on this course i'm going to make the decision i'm going to reject other input so most of the pastors that i think would otherwise be pretty sensible people when it comes to reevaluating, hey does this actually make sense to follow these guidelines that don't actually pertain to reality or any of the stats no it doesn't a lot of them are rational enough to know that i'm king of the hill of my beta hierarchy tends to make them protective of that hierarchy and protective of what they have going on the status quo if you will at least in the pastors that i have recently been contending with that's been the big problem even to the point where they'll understand and they'll agree with a lot of the stats and the reasons for why you know churches shouldn't be shuttered when it comes down to it they're very reluctant to go much further than that because they're resistant to other men having input or being able to change the status quo in any meaningful way. That's an
3: excellent point. And that's why when you're finding a church, I think the first thing you should be looking for is submission to the word by the pastor. That's of utmost importance because if if the leader of the church, the pastor, or if they have an elder board are really submitting to the word and putting it above themselves and are really taking it to heart what the scripture says, then I think they'd be more eager to meet and have less of a superiority complex if, if that's their issue.
0: I think the challenge with that is that you have to ask... What is their view of the word? How do they actually come to these conclusions and what do they prioritize? The pastor that I have in mind right now is very much into New Covenant theology or the idea essentially that, yeah, the Old Testament was great and that it testifies to us about Jesus, but it doesn't really pertain to the governance or the life of the Christian in the church today as anything more than really an example. There are elements of truth to that idea, but I think by and large, if if your principal hermeneutic is looking at the New Testament, over and against the Old Testament as a corrective, you're gonna arrive at some very different conclusions than if you look at it more holistically than that. You can have some pastors that are committed to the word, but their hermeneutic will drive them into different corners than I believe is necessarily justified.
3: I should say that while I do believe churches should be meeting in person, I don't wanna speak for the group, but I don't think pastors are making that decision lightly whether to stay back or meet in person. I knew several people from several different churches at Boston who lost both their parents, lost several family members due to COVID. And I think pastors and people may recognize that and realize that people may have different comfort levels and may have a pretty valid reason to. I knew one gal who was living with her parents and had to take care of them and she, you know, may be at a greater risk, but that's just, if you're at a higher risk, you may need to stay back and that that may need to be okay. But for the people who are college students and living with 20 year olds, suck it up. You can do it, you know, wear your mask if need be, but I think you'll be fine to meet in person. Have
1: you guys gotten COVID yet? I don't know. I've had it for sure. And if you're an RPC guy and if you're working out, your body fat is under 20%, it's less than a light cold. It's it's nothing to worry about. If you're fat, if you're 260 pounds, yeah, maybe you should worry about it. Maybe you shouldn't be going to church, but that's, that's a whole nother problem. You need to start losing weight. I
0: mean, I say, I don't know for that reason, because early on, right around the time this news started breaking, I was feeling pretty crummy back in like the February of 2020 no idea if that actually meant i had it or not i have one pcr test later um for a work-related thing which by the way sucks people who are it's not that big of a deal yeah go shove some swabs up your brain and Make sure it feels really good right even that was a waste of time turned turned up negative so i have no idea if i had it or not because i was like months removed from the fact but i mean i've known people who've had it and we're talking like middle-aged ladies who are not the healthiest people and yeah they had the flu and that was basically it and then they got over it i mean this it just statistically speaking this is so not dangerous for the normal average person this is so not dangerous that right now if you are a pastor or you know a pastor who has shuttered the church and refuses to open, but they would never do this for the flu, which has the exact same case mortality rate, then they're clearly buying into some other agenda or there's some sort of ulterior reason for not opening these things. 99.96% is the same case mortality rate by the CDC's own numbers for both COVID and for the flu. So I don't know. I don't see a lot of churches who are freaking out and shutting their doors when the flu was going around, which conveniently has dried up.
3: That's what infuriates me, though, is that when... Okay, so say you're in California, like a pretty high policing state and they order churches to close. I think there's a bit of virtue signaling that goes on when a church is defiant and like we're meeting anyways and they're all meeting at the building. It's, yeah, no doubt you're going to get shut down. You're doing it publicly. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but if you're in a church in the Middle East, Pakistan, Iran, you're not having public church meetings, be tactical about it. You know, if you don't want to do these things wide out in the open, if you know you're going to get slaughtered for it, be more mindful of how you're doing this. Let the church up into several groups and meet in people's houses. Why do you need to make this whole big deal about it? If you know you're going to get shut down, to me, it feels like a publicity stunt.
0: You only get shut down if you let them shut you down. The reason it's big right. publicity stunt is because it should be a big middle finger to the government who's trying to mess with a sphere of influence that they have no business in dealing with. The government doesn't have authority over the church. That's something that we've accepted as Western Christians. And when we capitulate to that sort of pressure, we're encouraging additional stepping on our freedom. Look at Canada right now. We have pastors being arrested in Canada because people didn't collectively resist. Canada is a totalitarian hellscape right now, and it largely comes down to people having too much, well, I guess I'm just going to adjust. I'm going to call chicken and move out of the way so the government can run roughshod over me. That's not cool. That's not going to work. And it never has. And we're going to go into a much worse place. If Christians don't collectively start saying, enough is enough, you're not going to be able to kowtow us,
1: you're not going to be able to give us enough pressure to give into the fear. I'm also going to push back on you, Screw Tape, and say something about the Black Robe Regiment which in the Revolutionary War were pastors who put on black robes and went to war. It would have been really easy for them to say, oh, as Christians, we're going to stay out of this. The king is our governing authority. We don't want to be public about our dissension. But they didn't do that. They actually put on special robes and went to war against what they thought was wrong. This is kind of a microcosm for that. We don't want our government to be saying when we can have church, when we can meet, when we can pray, when we can do anything. You're going to be public about that? I don't have a problem with it. Just like I wouldn't have a problem with the pastor going to war. Here's the thing
0: that's crazy to me is, okay, imagine a foreign government came in. They declared themselves governor and they started making some of these edicts. People would lose their minds, but somehow magic waved the wand of democracy and they still step on our freedoms in the same way. And people are like, well, I guess that's legit. I don't know if you've seen the majority these days. They're not impressive. So the idea that majority rules, and yes, I know we're a republic, not a democracy. Spare me the details of that difference at this point. But we've basically accepted a foreign occupation of non-Americans and i mean non-americans in an idealistic standpoint most of the governors of most states right now would probably have been hung as treasonous cowards by most of our founding fathers throughout this country i'm thoroughly unimpressed by the tepid response that people have given across the board about well you know i guess i'll just uh guess I'll just accept it. And so now we're running down the road of, well, man, I guess I'll just get this experimental vaccine. I hope it's okay, but I want to get my vaccine passport and be able to participate in regular life. When they can start screwing around with your medical health, because well, you know, we don't want to affect our witness or all the same excuses for people about shuttering their churches. It's the same arguments being made. If they can start injecting you with whatever they want, because I'm sure none of the people here on this call have the means of evaluating what it is. And it's so new that we can't tell anyways, even if you are a studied person at that point, you're not anything but a slave if you are anybody who participates in the red pill slavery and that
1: slave mentality that needs to go away through tape you're kind of known as someone that pushes back on the anti-churchianity angle within the disciple cord what do you think of all this that's going on do you think that this is a symptom of the liberalization of the church i.e churchianity are your pastors alpha and fighting back on this or are they beta and forwarding the liberal agenda that we're seeing here
3: i think they're fighting back the pastor we, we had here in montana was pretty good about still meeting in person they budged a little bit and they had services outside no one's going to complain about having church services outside here the january yeah until exactly <laughs> luckily that didn't happen but over in the east coast the one church that was open they had a, a really great pastor i say he led the congregation pretty well for the large portion of it i would say like you guys brought up excellent point on not letting the state control our meeting together and i think i just looked it up it was grace church john macarthur's church over in la they met every sunday even during COVID, even after state orders specifically asked them to stop and they had security guards in the front door and wouldn't let people in. They were still able to meet. I would say there are some good outspoken alpha pastors, if you can use that word, who were still good and defiant about the responsibility we have to meet in person as Christians.
0: So there's this two kingdom theology thing that's really popular in America where, okay, well, Christ is kind of, you know, Lord of the church. And then there's the world over there. And that may not be how most people would say it, but that's how most people, most pastors functionally operate. And it's bullshit. It is so foreign to scripture. Christ is Lord of it all. When we are given the great commission it's to go to all the nations and disciple them, making the nation's obedient to all that he has commanded. The world is part of the game guys. When I see pastors saying, well, we wouldn't want to make a political statement about this, excuse me. Our country was based and founded on pastors making political statements about things because freedom doesn't just come out of a vacuum. We enjoy what we do as Christians in this country. And we don't have the sort of Middle Eastern oppression that a lot of our brothers and sisters over there face because there were pastors who were willing to be political and to get involved in the civic square and to be able to tell tyrants, pound sand, come get me. That fighting spirit is not just gone in the church, but it's gone in the country. I don't know what's going on about that. I mean, you could trace it back a few different ways. It's not encouraging. One of the things I really hope as people, especially people listening to this podcast, start, you know, lifting and getting their testosterone figured out as we start recovering some of that bravado to say, you know we're not going to be ruled as slaves, as subjects. That's kind of the whole point of this country.
1: You've said it before that the United States is going into a more left-leaning direction. Other than lifting and pumping up testosterone and making disciples who do the same, what do we do? Pretty soon you're going to have to have a vaccine passport just to go to church. I'm
0: increasingly of the mind that saying America is, is actually already a problematic statement when you start thinking about where we're at in the world. It should be America was. I think that actually might be one of the first steps to getting to where we need to go is to start realizing that what we're trying to preserve is in the rear view and we actually lost the culture war.
1: So it's already over? It's lost?
0: That war is lost and I think America is done.
3: Is it a matter
0: of finding a state that when it secedes, we're actually in a red state? I don't know what the future plan looks like. I think that there's a lot of experimental thought going on to what that is. When you look at the real state of the Republican party, for example, the supposed opposition, running Caitlyn Jenner as the supposed savior governor of California. Uh, If you would have told me in high school a little over a decade ago, hey, you know what? The Republican party is going to be running a transgender candidate as their leading GOP candidate in California. I would have thought that you were on drugs, not just the funny kind of drugs, but the we need to get you checked into rehab kind of drugs yet we're here. I mean, who needs enemies when you have allies like the GOP? And I think we need to be looking at other solutions because it's not coming from one of the sides of the uniparty that we have ruling this country. So when you have two parties of the two party system, we're talking essentially hundred percent of the control mechanism of this country, actively hostile to what used to be traditional Americanism, which is now being branded as terrorism just by existing i think that you lost the war man i don't think there's any contest there even
1: look at florida and you want to say that's a bastion of conservative ideas florida locked down for a couple months they went with the crowd sure they're doing these things now after the fact but i don't even think florida's safe i don't know where is safe at this point we've talked about in the last podcast moving states but to
0: where i mean it's a great question I mean it- I think it's easier to say where not than it is to say where to. Even that doesn't really matter. I mean, it matters to a point, but in my tours of some of the more inland states, if you will, from the perspective of somebody on the coast, and we talked about this last time, on the coast, the battle's on. I mean, people realize it, and if you're not aware of it, you're either totally checked out or you're dead. So, I mean, like people know that there's a war going on here, on, on a cultural level at least. When you start moving inland, it's there's this idea of kind of, well, that wouldn't happen here. So... Yeah, I mean, that's kind of interesting what's happening over in Portland, but I'm just going to keep doing my thing. And that's the sort of complacency that invites that sort of thing coming. Here's an example. I have a coworker who told me recently, she's a practicing Catholic in my area, pretty liberal. It's kind of a weird admission. I said, oh, well, that's interesting. Tell me more about that. And she said, well, so I'm part of the church and it's mostly because I'm a liberal and they need more liberals like me in the church to be able to change it because it's just not good she's explicitly in the fight in this supposedly traditional conservative whatever congregation you know the one true church whatever haha and she's there explicitly for the sake of reforming it to the left and the thing is she won't be opposed she won't she's not going to get excommunicated she's going to get thrown out what they're going to say is they're going to say oh we need to be able to reach her with the gospel if, if we influence her enough. no you're not influencing her it's the other way around You're your tepid to christianity is not influencing anyone, let alone yourself or your family, especially since you're sending them all off to government schools to be educated in the enemy anyway. We lost a culture war and the church needs to learn how to fight it, but the first step is learning, hey, we're in the culture war. So I've got a question for the group here. If you've ever interacted with somebody who identifies as a transsexual, how committed are they to their cause compared to
1: the average Christian you meet? They'll die for their cause. People that are transsexual, that is their religion. You use the wrong pronoun on those people and they will blow up on you. Right. When you look at that level of commitment
0: to a cause and you look at the tepid, very lame, lukewarm version of Christianity, my diagnosis of why that is, is because the person who identifies as transsexual knows that if the left doesn't win, they don't get to live. They don't get to live the life they want. What they envision as their future is in jeopardy. They can't lose. They can't afford to lose. Christians don't see that. They don't understand that, what they want for their future, for them and their children. It can't exist if the left wins either. They don't realize that. And so they're not really engaged in doing something about it.
1: What would you guys say to a pastor right now? Pastor's listening to this and his doors are still closed. He's saying, oh, we're meeting online. It's just as good. We have Zoom meetings with our leadership. Anyone is able to text me, call me. What do you tell that pastor? Stop being a f- oh, Sorry,
0: we're not supposed to use that term dude, anymore, huh? Stop say being- a loser again? <laughs> Stop being, loser's just so lame. Just just bleep it out. (laughs) (laughs) Throw some
2: balls, how about that? I would just make fart noises as he's talking to me. That's uh, pretty much how I would just handle that.
1: What about you, Screwtape? What do you tell a pastor who still has his door closed? I would
3: figure out why and exhort him to change it up. You said previously in that first time you asked the question, they they say it's just as good. BS. That's not as good. There's got to be some science behind that. And I can't give scriptural references other than the one that says, don't hesitate to meet together, as is the habit of some. When you think about life on life and how people learn, not only through like a phone call conversation or texting or on the discord by text, life modeling happens by watching people and watching people react. I think we say a lot with our bodies and, and where we look and what we say and what we do. And I think that only happens through meeting physically. Yeah, you can grow. On the discord but you'd grow 10 times faster if you were to meet together i think that's why you guys have disciple house i think that's super important that people are actually meeting together and doing life on life because otherwise your growth rate is going to be severely stunted
1: to that argument of oh we meet on zoom or oh you can listen to church on facebook if i listen to javer and mcgee on youtube is that the same as me going to church i don't think anyone would argue that it's different You know what's different, you know you need to open your doors. Even the suggestion that a Zoom call
0: or a live stream is an equivalent or somehow a substitute for church is so Gnostic It is appalling. It is mind-blowing. It should cause every Christian who's ever read anything about the Gnostic controversies that happened in the early church and during church history to have that proverbial mind-blown situation that we're even still having these conversations. But it shouldn't come as surprising. The same pastors that'll tell you over and over again, like, no, God made man and woman. God made Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Gender roles are different. They have no idea to tell you what those gender differences are, which is why we have the subreddit so we can try and figure these things out together. Because pastors are super, super Gnostic in their view of where spiritual meets physical We as the Western church have lost that point of where spiritual meets physical because we've rejected the physical and the physical matters. The physical is indispensable to us, in fact, and that's something that we have completely let go of in most cases. So when you even suggest, not you, but when somebody suggests that a Zoom call is a substitute for the church, that is such a rejection of the physical. Newsflash, God created the heavens and earth. Earth was a physical place. Adam and Eve were physical people. The new heavens, new earth, physical bodies. Christ came back, physical body. It's going to be physical, physical matters it freaking matters a lot and we've just given over the physical space to the enemy in every form and then we scratch our heads and wonder why things are getting terrible gee i'm
1: surprised that guy that's listening right now and he's been having his family watch the zoom church every week what do you tell him
0: find another church this isn't complicated people need to get pissed righteous indignation is a righteous thing people are so lukewarm and limp about these things like where is the where is the passion? Where's the bravado? If we're coming at these things and saying, well, maybe they'll open their doors in another month when the CDC gives them a nice pat on the butt and says it's okay. You only have to wear half a mask now, or whatever the stupid new guidance is. Use your brain. This is not a danger. Things are we're, fine. Open the damn doors.
1: We're talking leave. you, bro. That's listening to this, and you're watching Zoom church every week with your family. You're not leading your family correctly. You need to be meeting at church. You need to be seeing other believers you need to be going to church not good enough listening to it
0: gonna even though i don't necessarily subscribe to this wholeheartedly but i'm just gonna plug this for red curious if he's listening if you have a home church situation or something that's not the traditional model of the church even though the church has done it for thousands of years just fine but if that's your version of church and you're still not meeting you need to find something like that because there's no excuse not to congregate in some way so that was for you john all right do the pastors have the authority to shut down the church i would argue yes and i would argue that. This is not one of those situations came up on an anniversary of Mount St. Helens erupting not too long ago. If you had a church anywhere near there, you should have not met that Sunday or whenever, you know, that may have blown as the seismic seismic activity was starting to get crazy, it would have been prudent to say, you know, let's, Let's, but not. I think that's justified. That's also a very acute and present dangerous situation. If there is a situation like your country decides to go Middle Eastern on you and suddenly Christians are being dragged out in the street and shot for their faith, you know, you might want to push pause and reconsider how you're meeting and it might not be a good idea to meet in public the same way that you had been. In that case, yeah, I think there's a reasonable point in saying, let's, let's figure this out differently. I wouldn't say unilaterally, pastors can't do it. But I would say that the majority of the reasoning and justification for having done so this time around is stupid.
1: So all the guys here, we're different. We're alpha. We lift. We got a bunch of testosterone pumping through us. Start with you, Prax. What did you do during coronavirus to maintain fellowship? A
2: couple things. Kind of make an addendum. I don't think that the total shutdown of corona is over Yes, anything i've done recently i'm counting that as well but we started disciple house which is where i mean we've talked about it enough times so i'm not really going to go over it again but that's a form of community building i've made a point to connect with a lot of the solid christians that either that i went to high school with or that i've known throughout my life like i've made a significant focus on meeting with them or really made a point to meet with them and to not only discuss how our lives are going or to live live at the same time but also to really dig into scripture, dig into how are we living as Christians. So your method
1: was to actually reach out to Christians and invite them into your home?
2: Well, yeah, that's the easy one.
1: That
3: one was difficult. I mean, when we were in out West, it was a lot easier. Like I said, we were in a pretty red state. So there were no COVID restrictions whatsoever in that area. No mask or anything until June. I was out of there by then. When we moved to East Coast, you just have to be very intentional about finding that community. I mean, it's really easy to get lazy because when we're looking for churches, you see all of them aren't meeting and, and it's easy to accept that it's over zoom and oh yeah, that'd be so much easier. We'd have our Sunday mornings. We'd be more relaxed. But if you're really convicted by the scripture and you really do believe and should that it's more effective for us to meet in person, you'll find a way. That's what we did. We found the one church that was meeting in person, went there, immediately got surrounded by people and started to build community as quick as we could figured out which people were fast and which people were willing to meet in person started a small group. It's not hard. I mean, you just have to put in the time to find the people. I guarantee if I can find people in the most liberal city in the country, uh, you can too, <laughs> wherever you live.
0: So I have a pretty tight group of people around here, my wife and I, that we've been doing the church thing with and have had Bible study groups and all the rest of it we all just decided to just keep meeting. We met up and had tons of barbecues and basically life went on as if nothing happened other than you would get hassled everywhere you went because again, living in a very lefty sort of state. It was like, I basically forgot that there was a pandemic going on most of the time unless I actually interfaced with the public in which case then people were behaving as if it was like the apocalypse, which was, Just completely silly. So no, my fellowship really didn't slump. I mean, the church that shut down for a little while. Yeah, we're meeting on Sundays, but with a lot of the people that were attending and some of the elders we met anyways, which is, again, one of those kind of hilarious double standards, just kept meeting, And part of it is I'm not really big on the whole, like, let's do small groups to me. That's a very much a band-aid fix not a fundamental fix if you have a good community in your church people are interfacing with one another they are living life together naturally and so if you have to push people together on these artificial weekly gatherings to talk about the bible together yeah
1: it says a lot more about your community than it does about the need for bible study so we all basically did the same thing which is find like-minded christians who aren't afraid to see each other in person yeah essentially We're going into a post-coronavirus world where there's vaccinations. I mean, (laughs) we've seen the food, we've seen the gas shortages, we've seen inflation. The police are getting defunded in certain cities. The government is hyper-liberal at this point. What can we do in this new normal? I mean, we've talked about this a little before that we need to be men, we need to be more masculine. There's gotta be more to it than that, right? I would just
0: like to point out to everybody who is old enough, which should be everybody who's part RPC, but there's probably a few of you who aren't. Remember a 2001 September 11th attack. Oh, we're just gonna implement these security measures temporarily until we can get back to normal. Heh, haven't been to the airport lately. This isn't going away. I would like to say that this is, I have a positive spin on this or a positive outlook, but the reality is we have a lot to contend with. The direction and the trend is not going well. It's well worth considering, and it can be easy to get black on these points if you're not careful, but I think you really need to do a good survey of what's going on and what the potential downsides and outcomes are. I mean, we are living very, very close to an edge of a sort of technocratic totalitarian hellscape that we do not want anything to do with. And if people think that's alarmist, I hope so. Like I hope I'm super wrong on this point. I've never wanted to be more wrong in my life, but it's an eventuality. It is a potential outcome of this that if you're not at least thinking about then you're doing yourself and your family at a service so i think that one is try and survey the lay of the land and that means you're gonna to have to start digging places where censorship is being actively resisted because any information that's going to be damaging to the state apparatus that controls information flow they're not going to let it flow freely so you're going to have to look elsewhere i'm going to just plug telegram that's a good app where it's pretty censorship resistant you can find good information on there if you look hard enough nobody has an answer for this i would be surprised if anybody as we go around the circle here said ah yes i have a solution for men out there how we can navigate this successfully there is some sort of solution out there god isn't going to forsake his church he's not going to leave us stranded it may mean that we have to spend a lot of time together collectively as men sharing notes figuring out what's working and compile it together into a comprehensive plan so i would say the number one thing you need to do is be in community with other guys who see the dangers for what they are and are actively working on solutions and if you can each offer some some part of the puzzle together you might be able to come up with something that actually not only just helps get you through this without too much heartache but can actually do something to reverse the effects or move through it to something better
1: when it comes to other effects of this new normal we're going to start seeing some financial ramifications of shutting down the economy and we actually do have a guy that's in finance we're not going to say what he does but screw tape do you have any advice for normal guys normal people on what they can do to protect themselves when it comes to inflation or any financial strife that we can expect in the future
3: you're screwed. We lost. <laughs> hey, That's my life. <laughs> 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 I have a pretty agnostic approach to it where inflation is going to impact most asset classes. Depending on where you are on the income level, people say hold U.S. debt, but hold assets in different countries. If the inflation in your country is basically going to hit the fan. As with every advice I'd give, just make sure your dollar is working for you. Make cash sitting in the bank, especially if it's a low interest savings account. It's not going to be able to counteract inflation. So putting it into, a, you know, a decent 401k IRAs, any decent savings accounts that are tracking either a good index or making at least, you know, 5% return to counteract that inflation are good bets for you. You can't, that's, I mean, the issue of the economy we're working in, especially with fiat currency, your money is subject to the government because they're the one printing it anyways. So you have to be pretty creative with how you're going to solve it. I'm not going to plug crypto if that's what you wanted me to say.
1: <laughs> no, I appreciate the good <laughs> practical advice.
2: Kind of uh, piggybacking off of what Oz said, I think that there is a huge need and necessitation for Christ-following men to take on the responsibility of, I'm going to sound maternal for a second, finding some young guy and literally reshaping the way that he is being raised and taking that away from his probably single mom or useless dad and raising him in your own image rather than letting them be another little piece of meat ground up in the big machine.
1: That's good practical advice too. Make disciples and form them to be like you. We need more men. Men. We need more men that are have testosterone.
0: I think on that point too, we're talking about investing in asset classes that are going to largely guarantee some sort of return. And I mean, looking at the potential for inflation that we're looking at, no, I don't think any official report's going to give us a real idea of what that looks like. And I think if you start looking at commodities that people actually use, if you want to assemble your own basket of goods, things like lumber, for example, it's definitely going to be hitting us in some areas a lot harder than others. But when I think about it, asset classes that are going to be your greatest... Strength if you do end up in a situation of rampant inflation or other economic hardship, that asset class is other people, community. If you don't have some sort of tight community around you, you're probably going to have it harder, even if you have tons of money. I mean, at a certain point you are going to need other people. And I think that that is probably where you can invest with a guaranteed rate of return, we're learning to work together. This is something that if you are right-leaning at all, you probably suck at because right-leaning people tend to have this like libertarian psyop done to them, where it's just me and my individualism are going to make it just fine because I'm going to be out in the woods in my cabin, whatever. How's that individualism working out for us? Not so hot. You look at the left somehow they can collect and work together all across the bizarre spectrum of the mutant people working with the like basically the american jihadis and somehow they're able to form a coalition to fight us it's really bizarre and then you have the people on the right who are like my individualism i'm going to be just stocking up on bullets and band-aids and i'm going to just survive through the apocalypse we have this perverse idea that somehow there's going to be a collapse that's going to come and save us from what's going on like what if there's not how's that for a scary possibility what if we actually have to learn to work together and start collectively doing things where there's actually some skin in the game. Has anyone here actually like collectively owned piece of property with someone else? I'm not just talking land, but like, do do we have any idea of how to form a company or form some sort of trust, protect assets, protect land? No, not really. Mm -hmm. Things like healthcare. What happens when it's like, we're not going to insure you anymore because you didn't get the jab. What do you do? There are answers to that, but if we're not thinking about things along those lines, we're screwed. So I think that's where, again, forming some sort of group of like-minded people and really trying to work on these problems ahead of time will put you in a better position. And yeah, there might be some monetary investment that goes with that to make sure that you're building a group that's cohesive and fun and doing things that are worthwhile. I think about skills, thinking about what do you know how to do? If your income sucks, you're probably better off investing in some sort of certificate program or a trade or learning something that is going to produce you more income than throwing it away in a 401k and trying to bank on that 30, 40 years from now. I would say definitely try to earn more money. Okay, so for the listeners out here in the chat right now, they're saying, Oz is low-key recommending socialism. Heard it here first. I would say we are seeing the result of rampant individualism failing epically. What I would recommend is that like-minded people work together because that's how every great society ever has been created. So if we want a great society again, we need to do that. Slap the label socialism on it if you want. I don't care. If it wins, I'm good with it.
1: Bro, I'll join your compound. You want to be David Koresh? That's cool with me.
0: <laughs> you know, I seem to remember that it didn't work out so hot for him. Actually, it turned out really hot
1: for him. So no, I'll pass. I mean, that's basically what you're advocating, though, right? No, not necessarily Band the compound, but get a bunch of like-minded people together and
0: no, store I mean, a like... bunch of
1: guns and fight the ATF. Yeah. I'll
0: put it this way: if you're if you're
1: living in downtown Minneapolis
0: you're better off in a compound. If things ever get weirder than they got over the last year and the odds are good that they will, hey, weird, if you import Somalia, Somalians, you get Somalia, strange idea. So I think that there might be areas and locations where that would be the prudent thing to do. I don't think most places are there yet, but what I'm thinking about is, okay, so we saw what happened to the Christian cake bakers, right? They pretty much got steamrolled in the court back and forth for years and years and their life was tied up in this awful court case for a long time. And that was something that happened, I don't know how many, six, seven years ago. How much worse is it going to be when Christians start acting on their convictions about things that now affect the global good and public safety, because our church isn't going to demand that everybody get the jab before they walk in the door or something like that. We're going to be facing increasing pressures and increasing amounts of social ostracization, persecution that the church hasn't faced in a long time, and certainly not in the West. If we're not prepared to deal with that in some way by forming parallel institutions that don't depend on the system at
1: large, it's going to be harder for us. I just kind of want to add to what Oz is saying you should be doing things to prepare yourself and teaching others how to do them as well. And it's simple things like having enough food to last you for a month, having guns and ammo and knowing how to use them, learning how to defend yourself, Don't let your gas tank get under half a tank, things like that. You need to start thinking about in America. Things have been very good for the past 200 years, but there's no guarantee. Things are always going to be as good as they have been. So start thinking about that. Start preparing. You don't have to be a full on prepper, but small things. I mean, if you don't have enough food for a month. What happens if there is a real gas shortage and you can't go to the market? What are you going to do? Are you just going to starve and eat your dog? You don't have to go full prepper. Like I said, don't go crazy with it, but just have enough. Be prepared.
0: And I would just like to share one quick story on that point. There's a guy who is big in the prepping community He was all about like, this whole thing's going to come down, wrote some books to that effect and was pretty well known for his thinking in this place. Well, he was all prepared for like the end of the world as we know it. And uh, then he got cancer and he's fighting cancer. Yeah, that sucks. He did did not prepare for that. I'd actually seen him in person and the guy was definitely out of shape and he was older and he should have known better. And I mean, I don't think that would have solved his cancer problem, but my point is it's so easy sometimes to think that, well, if I just prepare for these collapse situations that you're almost putting faith in collapse happening to deliver you from the current circumstances that we find ourselves in that aren't favorable. And so I think, yeah, it's prudent to be prepared for certain things. And I think that there's a point in which that makes sense. I think there's, it's easy to go beyond that. And I think that at a certain point, it becomes a distraction versus finding solutions for moving forward because too long, I think people have been put on the defense and we need to figure out how to hit back. There are very few, for example, legal cases going on right now that I know of that are being very successfully argued in favor of people's rights there are some that are coming up but those are the things that are probably going to do more than adding more bandages to your collection of medical supplies
2: you can just make friends with a prepper take all the heavy work <laughs> that's what i did drive, it's like a couple hours south a couple hours east from me i just drive over to his house whatever if i have to shoot a couple people it's like playing left for dead okay it's not, it's it's not right dead. find
1: a liberal prepper who's not pro-gun and then you can just take all his stuff
2: right yeah hey easy
0: just like to point out for our listeners anybody who thinks i don't or i deviate from biblical advice just like replay the last minute and just think about that Prax, could i convince you to pray us
2: out yeah absolutely i want to thank you for uh just another week of um, the red pill christians podcast that um we're able to use this platform as a means to reach guys that are either disenfranchised from church lord or um that are just trying to really sort through their masculinity, God, that um, not only can you be a part of the hosts and the guests and the all of the people that come on to the podcast, Lord, but also to the listener that uh, you can just really, really conform their identity to Christ's in your heavenly and holy name we pray. Amen.